We're looking forward to it. I, I brought my son and my wife wanted to come, but just, you know, things happen. Amen. Our churches, they're rolling. But, you know, the devil's mad. I got my one daughter, Irene. She's in the hospital right now battling something. You know, as you, many of you know, she had a double transplant two months ago. So there's something going on that they need to check on. So this morning, you know, I just talked to her right now. There's all kinds of things that they're testing her for and checking out her new pancreas and new kidney. They're doing all that. And then uh, my other daughter, right after she finished playing the bass for worship, she went into the one office, fell down, busted her head open. So now my wife is with, in emergency with her. In two different hospitals, two of my kids. So, you know, when you, you, you just, I know I'm in the right place at the right time. God has something, amen? You know, so that's stuff. I, I don't get moved, amen. I just know, God, you got it under control. Hallelujah. Mom's there with her, amen. So, uh, but we're going to pray for them as well as we're going to pray for your pastor, a blessed season ahead. And uh, we'll pray for, I mean, the Bible doesn't need prayer, amen, because God's already anointed, but I need prayer because I'm the one that's going to deliver this today. So let's go ahead and go before the Lord. Father, thank you today for your power and your greatness. Thank you for uh, the worship, God, sensing your spirit and your presence here. Thank you for what you're about to do. Thank you, Lord, for, for pastors of this house. Lord, thank you for Pastor Edgy and Sonia. And Lord, on this birthday, I pray that you would bless Pastor Edgy abundantly and in the season to come. And right now, together, Lord, your word says where two or more are gathered, you're in the midst. And, I, and together, Lord, we stand and we lift up both of my daughters today. Lord, that you would touch, number one, Irene. And Lord, work out those things inside of her. Keep the, that pancreas and that kidney safe, Lord. And uh, all this other stuff, just work it out, Lord. And for Alicia today, Lord, Lord, just cause that mend, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's staples or stitches, whatever it is, Lord, you just uh, guide the doctor's hands and, and just keep your hand upon them there. And Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for our church in Garden Grove and all of our Living Word family. And we, Lord, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew 5. And today I want to talk about, uh, you know, the Beatitudes are great to deal with your attitude. You know, to deal with our attitude. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you, you hear that word, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, you know, your attitude can get you all messed up. And you go, but I didn't say nothing, but your face said it. And you could even see it through the mask, you know. You know it's bad. You know there is something wrong when they could see your attitude right straight through that mask. Come on. And so here, you know, the, the word of God is so helpful and so clear when it comes to, to uh, bringing things in order and, and helping to change things so that we can get to another level, to get to another place. Because God has a plan and God's destiny is what we're striving to achieve to get to. Amen. Uh, we don't just, you know, I, I don't believe that the Lord saved all of us. Amen. Or any of us just to come and just kind of hide out in the church. You know, that's a sad thing, amen, when we're born again, when we have light, we have life, we have the answer to many of the problems of the people that we know and the people that we care for and the people that we love, and yet we're, we're, we're just kind of too on the lay back to even share the word with them. And some of it's because I don't want to offend somebody. How many of you know you got to offend somebody now? It's time to offend the hell out of people, amen, because as the Lord draws closer to coming back, you know, I'd rather offend somebody and they go to heaven 
than not offend somebody and they go to hell and it's on me. Come on, somebody. And so when we look and, and we know so much of how we're trying to get to where we need to get to, it takes change. You know, the, and, and a lot of times we want to work on the outside. You, you want to work on, you know, I, I want to deal with this. We want to deal with the manifestation of the sin in our life. Where uh, Pastor Larry Reed said, you know, you don't have a dope problem. You don't have an alcohol problem. You don't have a, a, a whatever problem. I mean, because there's something we can give a name to all that, and that's what you want to counselize today. I want to go to the counselor to deal with this manifestation of a problem. But Larry Reed said, you don't have that problem. You have a sin problem. And when you deal with the sin problem, then the alcohol goes. When you deal with the sin problem, then the, the, the drugs go. When you deal with the sin problem, then, the, then the, the anger goes. When you deal with the sin problem. So it's a sin problem that we have. Amen. It, it's, we were born into it. You can't say, you know, I mean, if you're here today and you say, well, I don't sin. Well, you're a liar. Amen. And the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. Because we do sin. We all sin. And Romans is clear where it says we all fall short of the glory of God. So there's no one that can escape making mistakes and falling short. But it's what we do with it after we do that. It's what a, what's going to be the next step. What's going to be the next plan, amen, to, to getting stuff right. God has so much more than for us just to be here hiding out and not telling nobody about Jesus. You know, I remember a guy I was working with years ago. I got hired in in this company. I was a truck driver. And uh, I, I came in and, and, I mean, from day one, everybody in that company, they knew that me and Pastor Octavio, because I, I got hired in where he was working, they knew both of us were saved. They knew we were Christians. No, there was no doubt. Why? I have no idea. But, I mean, the, the moment I walked in, they looked and go, you're a pastor. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who told on me, but it was all good. Amen. But I, I said, yeah, but here, I, I'm here to be a truck driver, you know, but, but I, I'll be sharing the word or whatever. So Pastor Octavio and I, they knew that we were saved. But there was another guy in the church there. He, he, was, he, he was there longer than Pastor Octavio and I, both. He'd been in that company 20 years. And, we, and so just in conversation on Friday, check day, the whole company's there. Everybody's waiting to get paid. And then I bring up and I go, hey, brother, hey, wasn't it awesome at church yesterday? And about five dudes turn around and go, I didn't know you go to church. And then 10 more go, hey, we didn't know you go to church. This guy been in the company 20-some years, been in the church longer than that, and not one person even knew he goes to church. What kind of shame is that? Come on. When you were a gangster, everybody knew what barrio you were from. Because you hit up the, the, the most famous words. Where are you from, Ese? Well, then next thing you know, well, now you're, now there we are. Remember, it goes all the way back to colors. 2-1, two, 2-1, one, two, one, you know. I've been thinking about colors a lot lately. That's funny, amen. But I mean, we had no shame in letting anybody and everybody know what we represented for sin. But then we come to Jesus and we, and, and, and we, we have him on the back burner. We, had him, we have him in our hidden little 22 Bible in our back pocket. Come on. Where we had no shame when we had a leño in your mouth. Walking. Come on, you had no shame with a beanie on at 110 degrees. Come on, no, I'm the only one? Huh? Have a beanie on, it's 100 degrees, strolling because I'm a gangster, you know? Proud, proud. Then you come to Jesus, are you a Christian? Mm. I go to church. I go to, answer the question, amen. 
So today I want to talk about how the Beatitudes can relate to some of our attitude. So uh, Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, peacemakers, come on, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake or for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we know, amen, that when we go through it, it's, there's others that have gone before us. There's, there's others that have, that have gone through the battle before us. See, an attitude is a settled way of thinking. Many of us, we, we come to the house of God with that attitude of, I've been this way all my life and I'm going to be this way the rest of my life. Nobody can change me. And sometimes we say that so full of pride. It's like nobody could change me. I don't care what nobody says. So it's an attitude, amen. It's a settled way of thinking or a feeling about someone or something, typically one that's reflected in a person's behavior. So that's just the definition there. And so the Beatitudes, amen, this, this, just what I read here, some of it kind of, it goes against the way our thinking goes. You say, oh man, you know, uh, uh, how is it that by mourning or crying that I'll be comforted? Or how is it, you know, uh, the, these things, when God presents it, hallelujah, it points us to the fact, amen, that the way God does things is quite the opposite of the way that we've always done things. Like Manuel just talked about, the difference between the flesh and the spirit, amen? Because in the flesh, we have a certain mode of operation, amen? And there's a certain, you know, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you two times harder. You, hit, you know, all these things where when the Lord says, you know, if somebody hits you, you, you still love them. And it, that's, that's twisted thinking to the world. You go, what? Excuse me? Amen. Hallelujah. And, but here, but that's God's way. And, and so we, we gain the understanding that God's way is way higher than our way. But, amen, when he says in his word, be holy because I'm holy, what he's saying is I want you to come this way. And you see, the Lord's not going to demand that you let go of this or let go of frajos or let go of that. The Lord's not going to ever demand that you cut loose anything. But what he is saying is, and it's clear through the word, is that you can only get so close to God before we have to let go of some of these things to get closer. See, he's not going to say, cut that loose or else, you know, because we already know that even in our sin, the Lord loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While, while we were at our worst of the worst, the Lord already loved us. He stretched out his, hands, uh, his arms on the cross. He died and bled for us. And that's, why when, when we were, that's when we were in sin, complete sinners. So we know he's not going to love us any less. And he won't love us anymore, amen, because he already loves us to the max. But what he's saying in the word, and the word's clear, is that if you want to get close to me, now it's going to take your decision 
to lay aside things that are going to keep you from me. And so if we want to see glory, if we want to see the things that God truly has for us, it's going to take saying, you know what, I identify that there's some sin in my life that's causing me to behave in this manner. i got to deal with that sin and put it aside. And so the first area I want to talk about is humility. Humility, amen, being humble. See, that's, a, that's, a, that's like a cuss word today, amen, because our world is so pressed with pride. Our world is so pushed for pride where, where you know, it's just straight up. It's a crazy thing. Uh, and so verse number three, it says, happy is the poor in spirit. Happy is the poor in spirit. Now, I've been poor. Anybody been poor? Come on. We've been poor. And we found ways, amen, to be happy in the middle of being poor. You know, I mean, growing, when my kids were younger, we had a whole bunch of them, amen. So choosing to do God's will instead of driving a truck like I did for a minute or, or choosing to choose a career outside of the things of God, you know, that would financially keep my family blessed. You know, I chose more. I'm going to serve the Lord at a time where there was no promise of money coming in. And so, so there was a time, amen, where we had a whole big old family inside a tiny apartment, amen. And, and you know, you know, we had, we had uh, let's see, at that time... Uh, yeah, so we had five at that time, amen. One bedroom, all the girls, they slammed. Then we had our sixth one. I mean, all six of those girls, they had their, their own room, and my wife and I slept in the front room of this apartment building. And, you know, it wasn't even a very nice apartment building, amen. I mean, every now and then we'd have the occasional, you know, people throwing down outside. I'd just be out there watching. Eh, it's all good, you know. Then one time Pastor Chris, you know, I mean, you know Pastor Chris Appleton. He knocked the daylights out of the dude that ran the whole neighborhood there. That dude came in running his mouth. Pastor Chris just turned his lights out. And I was like, oh, he comes running into my house saying, Pastor, I just killed that guy. And I was like, really? All right, let's go. Let me get you out of here. You know, <laughs> let, let me, hey, old habits die hard. He said, let me get you out of here, bro, before the cops come. Let's go. And uh, they ended up taking that guy to jail, and he's the one that got the daylights knocked out of him, amen? But, but anyways, that, that's, so, so it wasn't a very nice place, and, and yeah, we, we felt poor. My wife, to my wife and I, yeah, our bills were paid. Sure, the car was paid. We, we even had insurance, and we even had tags that were ours. You know, I didn't have to take them, amen? You know, I didn't have to steal nobody's tags. So all that, you know, but yet, to, to the world's economy, uh, economy's eye, we were poor, but, you know, we would take our kids and, and because of the stinking roaches and because of this and because of being crammed in a small room, we'd take off to church on Sunday in which we drove like 30 miles to go to church because that's where our church was, amen. Church Alive was worth the drive in which we always know that. We would go for first service, second service, and then we'd want to find somewhere to go. We'd like waiting for somebody. Oh, you want to come over today, Pastor? Sure, we're in, you know. And, and I, I'm, I'm going somewhere. And so we'd get somewhere and we'd be there. But remember, we left at like 7 in the morning to get to prayer at 8 so that we could be for 9 o'clock service, 11 o'clock. Now, now we've been gone a long time and our kids are all little. And, you know, it was something that would touch me and my wife. And sometimes we'd be broken driving home, even crying because we didn't want to go to that spot. We didn't want to live there no more, especially when the roaches got deep. Hello. They were eating more food than I was. Amen. But yet you would hear my kids say, can we go home now? Can we just go home now? 
Well, don't you want to go to the beach? Don't you want to go walk on the pier? Don't you want? No, I just want to go home. And all of them, they would be like a whole symphony. Can we go home, home, home? He'd be like, oh. And me and my wife just be driving home crying because we didn't want to be there. But yet the kids just wanted to go home. Why? Because we didn't ever show them the appearance of poor. When they were hungry, they got food. When they needed something, we'd say pray about it and then God would bless. See, so when here, when the scripture comes to and it says, you know, blessed are the poor, you, we can kind of go, all right, I get that a little bit, you know, but it still sucks. And it still isn't like, woo, I'm just so poor, man, you know. But yet when you come to the confidence of God and it says, blessed are the poor. Now here, this type of poor, it's not physical poor. This is talking about poor in spirit. This is talking about now being spiritually bankrupt. It's talking about, you know, being at that place of tiredness, but you're still not giving up. Being at the place where everybody turned on you, but you're still not quitting. Being at the place where, man, you're being talked about. You're weighed down. You feel empty. You feel drained. But yet your prayer life is intact and your word life is intact and your service to God is intact. So, yeah, you may feel like you're poor in in spirit, but yet the Bible says for those that are happy that are poor in the spirit... Because there's this, the, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So you go, whoa, you mean there's an upside to this? Absolutely. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, it doesn't mean, listen to me, church, when you say poor in spirit, it doesn't mean that you have no value. It doesn't mean ah, that's all you are. No. Because how many of you know there's always a better day? There's always something more that God has. Today, we don't live inside a one-bedroom apartment. Amen. I mean, we're grateful to God, hallelujah, that God is, has blessed. My, my oldest daughter, her and her husband, they bought their house. They, they live in a beautiful pad, you know. They're raising my grandkids there. And, that, and my others, you know, they, God's, God's just opening doors. Today, my, my third daughter, is have, they're having a little housewarming for the new house that her and her daughter, her and her husband, her and her daughter, her and her husband got, amen. So all these things we see, amen, but yet, it, then again, it's not about those things either. It's not about how much we can achieve and gain. It's about how we can please God and humility is it. Because let me tell you, when, when we're low, we have pride about nothing. But now when God starts pouring blessing on you, if we don't remain humble in the middle of the blessing, then the very blessing that God intended to, to enlarge you will crush you. You'll get crushed by your own blessing. Let me tell you how, amen, because we start to get comfortable. You get, you get more comfortable when there's more money in the bank. You get comfortable, amen, when God gives you the ability. Now you can buy some dirt bikes or a boat or something that there's absolutely nothing wrong with owning those things that the Lord has blessed in. And you've worked hard and saved and stuff to buy. But I'll tell you, when you start choosing, well, I'm going to go to the river instead of go to church. Well, I'm going to be in the desert instead of going to the house of God. I'm going to do this. And, and, it, and it's not, not wrong to take a vacation. Come on, how many know vacations are good? I just took my kids on a vacation Sunday till Thursday night. I mean, it wasn't a vacation spot. I mean, we're in the desert, amen, 109 degrees. I mean, it was hot as hell out there. But, you know, the pool was cool. They fried themselves up, amen. They look like chicharron now. But, you know, it, what it was, it was, a, it was a vacation. And we missed church Wednesday, and it was no problem about it. I didn't feel not bad at all. I watched the live. Church was fine. Hallelujah. 
But, but you see, when, when it's not talking about not having value, blessed are the poor in spirit, it doesn't mean that, that I, I have low self-esteem. The, the poor in spirit doesn't mean that, that, oh, you walk around in a pity party. It, it doesn't mean, amen, that you need to put yourself down so that others can feel good. I mean, no, you don't need to put yourself down. And matter of fact, don't put yourself down, you know. If you're working hard towards something and you feel good about it, amen, then you don't have to put yourself down just because somebody else might get jealous. Hello? Some of you don't know where I'm at, but that's all right. See, Jesus didn't die for junk. He didn't die for junk. He died for people. And he died for people like you and I. He died for those, amen, that in, in somebody else's eye, they say you're worthless, you're incorrigible. Some of your court, some of your, law, your, your judges say you were incorrigible. You know, it was, they were hoping that you would get locked up, they throw away the key, and they never see you again. But then God had a different plan. God says, no, no, matter of fact, I'm going to cut you loose, and I'm going to cut you loose without parole so that you don't even have a tail. Oh, that's a good God, amen. But if nobody knows who I'm talking about, it's all good. I'll talk to another church. I'll talk to my church, amen. See, you have value, church. We, we have value. And humility, humility doesn't mean, amen, that we, we devalue ourselves or that, that we have any kind of, you know, any kind of twisted idea. Humility just means we're humble in the middle of the blessing. Man, I thank the Lord for the stuff, you know. I thank the Lord, you know. But I'll tell you what, amen, I'll give up stuff any time to see my daughter well. You know, I'll, I'll give up anything, amen, to make sure that my kids are good. You know, I mean, we'll, we work hard, amen, to make sure they're blessed, but we'll also be willing to give up. You know, in times past, several years ago, we had a whole lot going down, and, and you know, we lost some people because they didn't, you know, they didn't like to be told no. I mean, you know, sometimes people leave when you tell them no. You know, so you say no, and then some people have influenced other, other people, so then what happens is, is when one goes, then a whole group goes, in which, hey, don't let the door hit you where the dog should have bit you, you know? I mean, I ain't tripping. I didn't have no problem with that, you know? So we lost a whole group of people. This is back in 2012, 13, somewhere around. Our church took a big hit financially because when people leave, money goes too, in which, all right, we, we survived. But, but you see, after going through all kinds of stuff and people talking about Pastor John and talking about my wife and talking about my family, all that, I, I made it clear, very clear to my kids, all you guys have to do is speak up because I'll cut all this loose to make sure you guys are safe. I'll go drive a truck. I ain't scared, amen. I did it before, I'll do it again, amen. I made a lot of money driving a truck, amen. So, you know, but I let them know, we're willing to give all this up to make sure that you guys are our ministry. Our kids are our first ministry. My wife is my first ministry, amen, second to God. And then my kids are my ministry after that. That's before my church. That's before winning souls. That's before anything. Because if you lose your family, see, Pastor Rudy told me years ago when we're rolling, we're, we're all going to lunch, a bunch of pastors, a bunch of leaders, all that. And then he goes, John, I'm going to jump in with you. He jumps in with me and he said, hey, take care of your wife, man. Take care of your wife. Because when it's all said and done, when everybody leaves you and everybody's there, you want to come home and know that your wife's there. Or else you'll be sleeping alone. So thank you for that, Pastor Rudy. It changed my life. It was about 15 years ago. I don't even know if you remember, but I remember, Amen. And I, I focus on that. I take care of my wife and I take care of my kids. And then after that, amen, we give everything we got, amen, to the house of God, to serving the Lord. And you know what happens when you do that? When you take care of your wife, you take care of your kids, and you give everything you got to serving the Lord and serving in his house, then God seems, he finds a way to bless you. 
He finds a way, amen, to make sure that at the end of the month, bills are paid and there's money, hallelujah, to cover this stuff. And it ain't, it, 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 you know, hallelujah. So it's not, you know, when you have value, you have worth and you have purpose and you have significance. See, it doesn't mean, humility doesn't mean that you're perfect. How many know humility doesn't mean that you're perfect? And, and acting humble don't make you nothing because all you are is just a shady pride person. Come on, I mean, you know, fake humility that you ever see somebody, man, if some of you, it's you. If you don't know anybody like it, it might be you, right? Where you're just mad, you're angry, all that. And then you pull in and you go, God bless you. Hey, Jesus. Oh, man, I hate that girl. That girl's stupid, you know. I don't even like that person. And your kids are watching all this, amen. All right, moving along, Hallelujah. But we're not perfect, amen? Humility doesn't mean you're perfect and, and, uh, and we're, we're humans, amen? We fail, we fall short, we sin, we blow it. You know, we've all sinned, come on. Yet, the, the word of God tells us we still have value. We still have value, hallelujah. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that we need to have an attitude of humility. When it comes to our relationship with God, we need to be on the same playing field. We need to depend on him for our salvation. Poor in spirit is humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said that. See, humility is admitting that you don't have it all together. Humility is admitting that you don't know it all. Come on, how many of you know you don't know, know-it-alls? You like to get away from them. Another word for a know-it-alls is a high-nos. A high-nos. Anybody know any a high-nos? You're like, what the heck is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. They come to you and they say, hey, I need some counseling. I need some answers, some questions. They start talking and talking. And then, you, then the Lord gives you a word and you start to share with them. And they go, uh-huh, I know, uh-huh, I know, uh-huh, I know, uh-huh, I know. Well, if you know them, why in the world are you talking to me about it? If you already know, then, then you know. All right, so it's not about knowing it all. Humility is realizing that the universe doesn't revolve around you. That's not all about you. It's not about me, myself, and I. Come on, somebody. Humility is admitting to God that I need his help. So that's the first attitude that, that I believe that if we would bring in the check, if we would, Lord, I just want to walk humbly before you. Lord, I just want to honor you humbly through every blessing that you pour, and through every increase that you pour. Hallelujah. And, and, and as we do, amen, God keeps blessing. Second thing, this, it's found in verse number four. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Another translation says, happy are those who mourn, because God will comfort them. See, this doesn't sound quite right to us. Can I get an amen? Happy are those who are mourning. If you've ever been in mourning, if you've ever been broken and hurt, usually happiness and that doesn't go together. But yet here the word says that happy are those that mourn, because God's going to be the one to comfort. See, I, I mean, in the position I, I, I live in, amen, as a pastor, I've had to do many, 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 many funerals in which that, that sometimes it can be an awesome thing that leads to salvation. Other times it just sucks, man. I'd rather do weddings than funerals. Hello, you, you with me, pastors? Anybody know? But I tell you what, what's even harder is to do funerals for somebody that they don't know if they went to heaven. Why? Because the people that are crying, that are sitting in front, they're just crying, and they don't even know if their loved one made it to heaven or not. Because maybe they're anti-God or whatever the case is, amen. And here we are just trying to share hope and that, and they're crying. What are they crying? They're crying. Who are they crying to? 
Many are crying to nothing. All they're doing is crying themselves into more depression. They're crying themselves into a deeper sorrow. They're crying themselves into a hole. We're crying ourselves. Come on, anybody been there? Amen. And so, but when it comes to knowing that God is, is big and knowing that God is able and knowing that God is with us and knowing that when I cry, God collects even my tears that come out of my eyes and he saves them because that's how much he cares about me. So every time I cry or every time you cry, every time you cry, the Lord is gathering your tears and saving them. And why? Because that's how much he cares. So, all right. I, I'm, okay, I'd be happy to mourn. If I'm going to be in mourning, I might as well find a way to find happiness in it because I know that God's my comfort even in the midst of it. Even though it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. Amen. How can someone be happy when they're mourning? How can somebody be happy when they're crying? How can there be happiness when there's sadness? Here's the key. Happiness depends on what you're crying over. What are you crying about? Amen. Happiness depends on what you're crying about. If you're crying about the sin in your life, if, if God is convicting you and the Holy Ghost is dealing with you and you're crying about some of the stuff where you feel ashamed of yourself and you're crying about it before God, then that's good. You should be feeling that. You should be feeling some kind of a way when you're in sin, amen. You should be knowing, amen, that your relationship with God is being severed. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It just means that our right relationship, come on. Those of you that are married or those of you that are in a relationship and that, when it's all good, man, oh, it's great. But when there's a big argument, man, and now you're not talking or you're just upset with each other and that, you know that it messes up the whole function. It messes up, it twists up the whole thing. It's like, because you can't even go and, and, and tell your normal jokes because you're mad. Or maybe if you're the one that's mad, you don't even want to talk. You're like, hmm, you disgust me right now. I don't even want to look at your face. And you're there just trying to just, it messes up everything. It doesn't mean that you're going to throw it out. doesn't mean you're not going to love anymore. doesn't mean that you're not going to forgive. And the Bible says forgive by the end of the day. So that way you don't let your sun go down in your, in your anger. Anyways, so it doesn't mean that it's going to be over because you're mad. It just means that there's a sever there. And then when there's a repentance, then there's a forgiveness. Then you can come back to being right with one another again, right? And if you do something real bad, then, well, it might take a little time. It doesn't mean, well, get over it. I already said sorry, get over it. How many know we like to do that? When we do something to somebody, it's like, hey, get over it. I already said, I'm not gonna say sorry again, get over it. But when they do it to you, oh, you have that, you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay, right? I know all of us have done it. I know I've done it, amen. My wife says, why? When are you going to get over it? You still got your chonies in a bunch, you know? I think Pastor Desiree's all sweet, man. She'll crack the daylights out of us, man. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, then. See, so if I'm crying about the sin in my life, then I, I should be happy about it. Why? Because it means that you're going to take some, you're going to deal with some of the stuff and get serious so that you can get that sin out. <clears throat> If there's sin in your life and you're not concerned about it, then you should be. Because time's coming close, the Lord's coming back. Man, more and more we're seeing, we're seeing the persecution that's happening in other countries. It's, ha it's going to begin happening here. It's already happening. It's just so hidden that you, you can't see it, but it's happening. They're persecuting the church. 
They're coming after the church. Why? Because it's the church where salvation takes place. And that devil don't want you saved, man. So if you're a Christian and, you, and you've sinned and you feel guilty about it, that's good. That's good, amen. Because repentance, it revolves a U-turn. Repentance means you're going to change directions. See, we got to come to God and ask for forgiveness. There's things that you're walking in and living in, and it's time to give it to God and turn it around. See, the first steps to repentance is not changing behavior because I mean, you know, sometimes we do that. We focus on the outside instead of dealing with the inside. We focus on, oh, man, I, I'm just going to, you know, change this, change that, but yet the heart hasn't changed. But when you deal with the heart, then the outside changes and it's real change. It's like fruit, amen. The Bible talks about fruit. We need to produce fruit with our life. Produce fruit, but not fruit that's going to be rotten. Fruit that's going to remain. I always give the example of, man, sometimes you can look at an orange tree and you look at that one way at the top and it's orange, man. It's bad. It's beautiful. You're like, that's the one I want. And it might take a ladder. It might take one of them hooks so that you can get that one. But, you know, once you cut it, 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 it's so far away from the vine. It's so far, it's so far up there that, that it, it just kind of lost its nourishment being that high. Then when you grab a hold of it, poof, crumbles in your hand. Anybody ever had a fruit like that? You go, this ain't no good. Or you, you rip it open and there's no color left in it. It's like, this is nasty. See, where the Bible's talking about the kind of fruit we need to produce with our lives has to be fruit that's going to be good. Good fruit. Hallelujah. And so before you can change your behavior, we have to change our mind. We have to change our mind towards the things of God. And, and when we press into God, then God will change the things on the outside. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. That was a song that was awesome. Jesus on the inside and he's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Hallelujah. In other words, repentance is a thought change. Repentance is changing your mind, which will eventually lead to the change in your behavior. Repentance doesn't begin with changing your behavior. It, be, it begins with changing your mind. So when we change our mind, amen, then God will start to change the way we move after that. For every action, there's a reaction. Can I get an amen? And a lot of times our reaction is negative. Where in the things of God, when you start to surrender and humble yourself to God and allow God and keep your heart repentant before the Lord, what happens is when an action is taking place, you don't respond the way you always did. You, you'll look to God and say, God, how do I respond to this? How do I, you can either react or respond. Usually a reaction could end up with you in the backseat of a police car. Because huh? nobody's going to disrespect me. No. But if you respond and you go, ah. I won't, even, I won't even move to a fool's mouth. So here, amen, repentance, humility and repentance, the third one's meekness. It says, blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth. Meekness doesn't mean weakness. It means power under control. It doesn't mean you're a floor mat and somebody can walk all over you. Power under control. See, I am, I am, I'm here to allow God to lead me, to teach me, to guide me as I go through life. See, I can react. I, I could have reacted, amen. Things are going on. I could have stopped right when I got the call in the office and my daughter split her head. It, it, that was a move. That was a moment that I had a choice. Hey, you know what? Pastor Edgy will understand that my daughter just split her head and I need to go. He'll get it, amen. And there's some fine preachers right here in this house that on a moment's notice, like five seconds, they would already be ready to come up here and handle it. 
See, so that, but you know what? We learn through this, through, through going through things, amen, that you know what? I can't do nothing different with the situation that's going on there. But I can do something different right here to hell. I could do something against the enemy here. The devil hit us there, but we're going to hit the devil back here, amen. And so you and I together, we can beat down the devil. See, the devil's mad that you even got here today. Some of you, you knew it because everything tried to keep you from coming today. Everything tried. I don't know what kind of examples it is that kept you, but amen. You know, even if it was just mentally and you still made it. Hallelujah. You made it. Amen. And so you know what? The devil is mad and we can be glad. Hallelujah. Because you're in the right place. And the last one is righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. There was a young man that Socrates, many of you read about Socrates. But Socrates, there was a young man that wanted his knowledge. The knowledge that he had was amazing. And so Socrates told this young man, follow me. And so he led this young man, since they were at a port city, he led this young man down to the, to the sand, down towards the water. And then he, he took the young man into the water and he's like, come in. And when he grabbed the young man, he grabbed the young man by the shoulders and he put him under the water. He wasn't baptizing him. He was holding him down under that water until where the kid, now he, he's struggling to get out of the water. Now, and then he went out. Socrates took him out of the water, laid him back on the sand, and then he walked off, went back to his shop. The kids coughed it out. <laughs> what the heck? Wondering, all I asked for was his knowledge, and how do I gain it? So now he goes back, determined to know. He wanted to know, what the heck did you just do that to me for? So he tells Socrates, you know, why'd you do that to me? And he said, when you were under that water, what did you want more? Than anything else in the world. And he said, all I wanted was air. I just wanted to breathe. And he said, so if you could desire knowledge as much as you desired that breath, that's when you can get. That's when you can go forward. But how many of you know we're not we're not here to strive for the world's knowledge? We want God. Remember that song, This is the air I breathe? I'm desperate for you. Remember that song? You ever jump off a high dive and get down so far in the water, but when you hit the water, you lost your breath? Anybody been there? You're not close enough to the ground so that you can push off to go back up, and you're nowhere near the top. You're right in the middle, and now you're out of breath, and you're freaking out because you can see the top of the water. It looks beautiful, all ripply and all that, but you're out of breath, and there's nothing you can do except start trying to get back to the top. You finally pop your head out of that water. You left. <gasps> Anybody been there? Man, it's a freaky time. But all we wanted to do was breathe. So if we can desire God with the very desire that we wanted for that one breath, you'll start to understand what righteousness will look like. You'll start to understand Good News Bible says, as a deer longs for a stream of cool water, so I long for you, God. Go ahead and stand today. So I long for you. See, God wants us to desire him. He wants us to desire him. To desire him more than anything. More than anything. If you, if you came to serve God and, and maybe your, your wife's not serving the Lord, 
maybe your husband's not, or maybe your kids are not, or maybe you're young here and your parents are not serving the Lord. I want to tell you, lock in and serve God, with or without anybody. With or without anybody, decide that, you know what? God died to save me, and I'm going to serve him because I love him. He loved me first, and I'm going to love him back. And, I, and if nobody decides to come, then, I, then that's just going to be on them. But I'm just going to serve the Lord. And you know what happens, though, because God is so good. In some cases, many cases, when you serve the Lord and you're serving God with a good heart and a clean spirit and that, God does start to attract. God does start to attract. And they'll start to come. And God will begin to turn things around. God will be able to fix up even what we messed up. Come on. I mean, you know, we messed some stuff up. Anybody ever mess something up? And God, he fixed it up anyways. You go, man, Lord, you're too good to me. Yeah, he's too good to us. But you know what? He's so good to us, amen? He just wants us to serve him. He says, I'll take care of all this. I just want you to serve me. Your heart is what I want the most out of you. So, but walk in humility. God, lose pride. Pride ain't worth it. We already know what pride gets us. And the Bible's clear where it says pride comes before destruction. You know, meekness doesn't mean you're weak. It just means that, you know what, I have wisdom to not, not react, but to respond to the things of God only. Righteousness. You know, repentance. Repentance isn't a one-time thing when you get born again, but it's an everyday thing. Repenting for where I've fallen short the day before. And then thanking God for His grace. His grace is sufficient. How many understand that? Yeah. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is brand new today. His mercy was brand new today. You go, wow. I woke up because the alarm went off. Or I woke up because I do every day. No, no, no. You woke up today because God's mercy was brand new for you. And His grace is sufficient. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, today I ask that you would search our hearts and our minds. And if we've walked in any other way than humility, meekness, if we've walked in any unrighteousness, I pray that we would follow your word and repent. Repent. I pray your conviction upon us, Lord, that we would repent of our sin and accept your forgiveness. And Lord, today I even thank you in advance for what you're going to do
lift in your hands, amen, right where you are. I want you to say, Jesus, forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I thank you for the blood. Come into my heart and change my life. Forgive me for all my sins. Wash me with your precious blood. Help me to live for you all the days of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to open the altar, amen, for anyone else that you, you know, whatever it is that God is dealing with you this morning or this afternoon, give it to God and let God do the turnaround. Let God. It could be one of these things. Ah, oh, man, I, I just kind of reacted in pride this week. Or, oh, man, I did this or I did that. And, man, I felt it. But I want to come and I want to repent today. And I want to let God.